0: Come, on, come on. And that's why Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is the perfect allegory for British imperialism within the 17th and 18th century. Oh, right, 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 right. This is the Noah Davis Watchcast. I'm your host, Noah Davis. I'm here to talk to you about whatever I watched this week. And what I watched this week was Star Wars Rebels. We're going to start off with the weekly episode things, and then it's just going to become Star Wars Rebels, the critique podcast. So first up, Ahsoka, not bad at all. It was a little tease and a ton of action sequences. Easy to watch. It moved, it moved, it was smooth, you know what I'm saying? Bam, 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 you go, 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 and then it's over. And that's always good, that's always good. It might not be a perfect episode, but it's nowhere near a bad episode, you know? When you have nothing but action, it's really... It could get a lot worse than that, it really could. It's hard to talk about, honestly, because a lot of it was action and that action kind of devolved into a classic clone wars or rebels chase sequence of how many blaster shots can people miss in star Wars? I would love to take account how many blaster shots are missed throughout the entirety of star Wars. It has to be thousands, tens of thousands rebels. I think has a thousand at least maybe a couple thousand. So if you had that, to Clone Wars, to Ahsoka, to Boba, to Mando, to Original Trilogy, to Sequel Trilogy, to Prequel Trilogy, to it all, you're going to have tens of thousands of missed blaster shots. So it's hard to talk about the Ahsoka episode. All I'll say is I want more Ray Stevenson because obviously we can't have more of him in the future, so I want more of him now, okay? (laughs) That's a personal qualm, and nothing. I don't mean anything by it other than that. I want more Ray Stevenson, okay? Those are my demands, and I want them now. Nothing Nothing to trade for it. I just want that. So, moving on. Winning time. I've been watching Winning Time the past three or four weeks and just forgot to talk about it. It is, of course, season two of Winning Time, and if you don't know about Winning Time, it is... Uh, fictionalization sort of based on a true story. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those. It's a dramedy about Magic Johnson and his time at the Lakers and the Lakers themselves. Not just Magic Johnson, but in season one, for sure, he is the main character. Whereas in season two... He's not really the main character. It's actually a nice change of pace because it's expanded into more of a a team show rather than an individual player show that the first season really was. So it's nice to see all these side characters come together in their own ways and the show is still able to pull what it's been pulling off off. You know, it's still watchable, it's still snappy, it's still funny, it's still got the drama moments. I, I love the vibe of it. It's got a filter or they use, an, can't. I mean, <laughs> I really doubt they use an old camera, but it's got a really amazing old camera filter that would lead you to believe they use an old camera. I highly doubt it. It's probably a $20,000 camera and they put a filter on it, which is just funny in a sense. I mean, it, it's just funny. And then they will actually use cheaper looking shots. So I wonder if they also have Cheap and old cameras on there, or if those are also ten thousand dollar cameras that they also put a different filter on. Who knows? I don't. I'm not really much of a behind the scenes watcher guy because I kind of get it, other than the very specific, you know, sequences or instances. But it is a great show. It's got a good vibe. It's not a perfect show. It's a very old timey HBO, if I can say old timey as in twenty years ago old timey HBO where there weren't that many punches if that makes sense it's just a it's constant jabbing you know no haymakers just constant jab 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 you know just jab jab the wire jab 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 there's rarely any haymakers or just left hooks out of nowhere and that that's not a bad thing per se but that's just my personal bias because of what modern television has become And then in doing so kind of changed me or has me expecting that sort of television from every quote unquote good television show I watch. So that's, that's just a personal opinion, personal preference. It's like, Mad Men's an amazing show But there are very few Haymakers and Left Hooks You know, there are very few It's just constant Mad Men Mad Men, Draper, Men, Don Draper Don Dra- you, know, you know, if you've watched it, you get it There's not huge bombs In the plot Like uh, Barry Or Leftovers, there, there aren't huge bombs Yet, it's still a fine show Still a great show, I still like watching Winning Time I'm still going to watch it Until it's over this season Hopefully it gets a third season. Who knows? I'm not sure what the viewership numbers look like on it, but they did announce season two pretty early after season one. So hopefully that carries over to season three. That being said, it's a good show. Yeah, I think I already said that, but it's a good show. It's got great performances. I need to look the actors up and commit those names to memories because the person, or you know what? The people playing some of the players are simply fantastic. Whether it's the guy playing Magic, the guy playing Kareem, the guy playing Larry Bird, they're all three so good it hurts. It, it, it physically <laughs> and mentally hurts because I'm afraid for these three actors. I'm afraid for them. Not that I'm afraid that they'll go broke anytime soon. Not that I'm afraid that, oh, they're not famous. I, I don't know. I'm afraid for their careers after this because when you get pinned down to such a specific role to the point that you're literally cast in that role because of how you look as opposed to the real person acting like the real person. I mean, this guy looks like magic Johnson. This guy looks like Kareem. This guy looks like Larry bird. I'm afraid for these three people because they look so much like these real counterparts and they're cast specifically for that i assume you know i'm you know i they can act okay they can act but there has to be something to be said about how much they look like the other person without any prosthetics of any kind so i'm afraid for these actors because i don't want these guys to just be oh that's magic johnson or oh that's kareem for winning time or oh that's larry bird you know these three people are i mean everybody's doing a great job. But these three actors are doing a phenomenal job and really selling everything, really selling the players and the relationships. And it just, it makes it feel like you're watching Magic and Kareem. But that's also a downside because who's going to cast the six foot six guy who looks like Kareem for a random role in something? You know, it, it feels like, sadly, I mean, with much chagrin, it feels like, these actors are going to be confined to this role in either typecast or simply not cast anymore because, oh, you look so much like Magic Johnson that, you know, uh, you, you don't look like my character because, you, I mean, I just see you as Magic Johnson. Or I don't know how the inner politics of casting exactly work, but I've seen it before, you know, all those biopic actors. Think of, an, think of a biopic with an actor that wasn't a big name actor. Like, not a biopic with fucking Will Smith, because Will Smith's Will Smith. But think of All Eyes on Me. You were the guy who played Tupac? You were the guy who looked and sounded and acted exactly like Tupac? Where's he at? What's he been in? Can you tell me his name? Can you tell me what he's been in lately? Oh, yeah. Notorious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember the guy who sort of looked like Biggie, sound like Biggie, and acted like Biggie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's he been in? Is he still acting? Is he alive? <laughs> you know, I it's, it sucks. It really sucks because if the actor isn't established enough on their own to just get that role to be sought after for that role or to produce the film so that they get the role, it just puts them in this hole that they can't seem to get out of. And it sucks. It sucks because of course these actors can act, yet they're going to be just relegated to oh you're the guy in the biopic thing and move on. You're good, like you're done. We're done with you. Move on. So that's all I gotta say about Wing Time. Good show. Maybe even a great show. We'll see how you know it ends and how it goes. I would recommend watching it. It's got an awesome retro vibe. Even the scoring has a nice retro slow jazz sometimes and then i mean just the aesthetics just the the costuming the set design the lighting everything they do has achieved a really nice retro effect that i will advise anyone to watch just for that so that being said i gotta take a breath (laughs) so Star Wars Rebels. I talked about it last week. I started Star Wars Rebels because Ahsoka is clearly a sequel to Star Wars Rebels. So, I don't even know where to start. Let's start with here. If your name isn't Kanan, Hera, or Ezra, you're pretty much a non-character or a non-factor. It took a season and a half. So 30 episodes before we start getting actual character development from anyone not named those three. And while I appreciate that and I'm like, Oh, okay. I can care about these characters. Now it seems a little too little too late because 30 episodes in, and I'm just now learning why I should care about some characters. It's, it's a choice that I think shot them in the foot. I think season one's kind of bad, In the grand scheme of it, I think season one's kind of just bad, honestly. Whether it's the, you know what, I'm not even going to talk about the animation. I talked about it enough last week. (laughs) I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about that. The Inquisitor is the only good thing about season one. And of course, just it being the introduction is the only good thing about season one. So season two starts off pretty rough. Then you start getting actual character episodes, which actually made me happy and actually added context for why, or sorry, as to why I should be caring about any of these characters or rooting for their motivations. So that's nice. And season two upped the stakes. The animation even got better. Some of the texturization got better. And the ending of season two is really rad. It's got a nice sort of tonal change. There's a sweet finale or a two-part finale that's awesome. Then I mean season two's got the the chopper episode with t eight AP8 I think. a apa's hilarious. Chopper, of course is the best part of the show. You get background for Zeb, you get background for Sabine. You finally get things in season two which is already kind of an asterisk, you know, I have to, I'm going to have to tell people, I'm going to be like, uh, you might not even want to watch season one just because, you know, if you don't have the time for a four season show, don't watch the first season, you know, move on it. I don't think, I, I think you could skip season one and everything would make complete sense other than one character's sort of role post season one. And it's for one episode. So <laughs> the only thing that I think would confuse you if you skip season one is you're thinking, oh, wait, this is season two not season one. Like, oh, they didn't do these character episodes in season one. You know what I'm saying? They, I don't think any of the plot would confuse you at all if you skipped the first season. So that says a lot, honestly. So back to season two. I really like the additions to the lore. Uh, season 3's does the same season 3 kind of follows through on a lot of season 2 it keeps that sort of tonal shift it adds a lot more lore you get a character named Bindu who's so cool so rad i don't understand why he's a thing or why someone thought hey Bindu needs to be in this but i absolutely love Bindu i think Bindu's maybe the best part and the part i'll remember the most because he he has a nice layer of the lore and it works. There's a nice auditory effect with his voice. He's got a great design. He's just, he's a character I can dig. I can dig it a lot. And he of course helps Kanan and Kanan's like the only character who's actually cool in the group. You know, all the other characters seem a little vapid, a little hollow and kind of one dimensional, really. So it's nice to see Kanan, who's got multiple layers, who's got this fantastic performance by Freddie prince jr who's got this character development he's got arcs he goes here to there to here to there and he's in different places every time whereas the crew around him is so static it kind of hurts sabine is kind of always sabine zeb is always zeb chopper is always chopper Hera is always Hera. and ezra i wanted to get to this this is a good segue Ezra is not always Ezra. And then they're like, Oh, yoink. We're just yanking your chain. Sorry. He's back to Ezra season four. <laughs> so season two has a lot of lead up of Ezra. A lot of build up of his character. Season three goes into that. It makes Ezra this, Weird, almost, oh, is he going to dark side? He's getting a little darker. He's getting a little more mature. He's getting a little more adulty. He's becoming his own Jedi or his own force wielder. And you get this sense of, Ezra is actually going to be cool. And then season four starts and it says, Hey, Ezra's back to his clumsy, dumb fucking self. And he's just going to be this clumsy idiot. And he's just going to do stuff and be clumsy. But now he's got a little better Jedi powers, but he's still just his idiot clumsy self. <laughs> and it it detracts from his whole journey. It, it's odd because he was one of the most interesting parts of season three And then he quickly became the most uninteresting part of season four. Period. Just the literal most uninteresting part. He had one scene from... I have two more episodes left. He had one episode, I think, an episode ago... That he was kind of cool, but it wasn't him that was cool. It was what they were doing visually into the story that was cool. It wasn't Ezra being cool. It wasn't his character. It wasn't any development being cool. It was the setting and location that he happened to be a part of that was way cooler than anything he's done in that season and a lot of the other episodes. Because it was so much build up for nothing. And that ties in. With other problems I have with season four. So season three, spoilers for Star Wars Rebels. I don't know how old the show is now, but spoilers for Star Wars Rebels. Sabine leaves, quote-unquote, air quotes, big quotes, leaves at the end of season three. The end of season three, they say, hey... Sabine or sorry, Sabine says, Hey, I'm gonna go back to Mandalore because Mandalore needs me because I'm a Mandalorian. You know, you get it, it makes sense. And you're like, okay, they write off a character, new crew, season four. Let's go. First episode season four. We need Sabine back. We need reinforcements. We gotta go to Mandalore. And it's like, fuck you. (laughs) You know, if you're writing off a character like that. And make it a part of the plot that you're writing off the character. Do not bring that character back the very next episode on the very next season. It shouldn't work like that. If it does, that worked badly. Uh, I would argue it doesn't work. I would argue it's kind of sloppy. It feels like maybe you teed up for that to be the finale finale, even though it wasn't. Maybe you tee that up to be the finale finale and then you would have, oh, the possibility of Sabine becoming Mandalore story, yada, yada, who knows. But when you say the character's leaving and then they're back 20 minutes later, it's not how much real time has passed. Because yes, in between Sabine leaving and Sabine coming back, there was a whole eight months of waiting for the season. Like that makes sense in real time. But it doesn't make sense in Showtime. It hasn't been eight months. It's been, f- you know, 15 minutes. Because I think she comes back at the end of season one, or they tease her coming back at the end of the first, not season one, episode one. So what? It's been 15 minutes since she left, guys. I mean, hey, Dave Filoni's a genius. I think he's written all this and pretty well. I think he's got a mind for it, a knack for it. He knows this universe. I trust him to do things. Yet... Sabine was a terrible decision this was a it was a bad call. I don't know whose call it was bad call is all I'm saying, and then her character just plateaus oh, she's back plateau. she doesn't do anything. She doesn't change. nothing changes. She's Sabine and just and and nothing changed even in that quote unquote eight months of real time or however long the seasons were in between the seasons, in the universe, whatever, she didn't change. She's still just Sabine and didn't do any sort of growing up, developing. I couldn't tell you how old she is because she acts like a 14-year-old, but she looks like early 20s, but then she's like early 30s in Ahsoka. So, I don't know, man. (laughs) It's just weird because all these characters feel too static. Of course, if your name's not Kanan, Kanan's the only character who I think had a true arc, actual movement between being a character, what it means to be a character decisions that the character has to make. Are they good? Evil? Neutral? What they're going to do their motivations? He had actual ebbs and flows. Everybody did not. And it's kind of sucks. Kind of sucks. Now, I think that's really a lot of what I want to talk about. I wrote some notes over here, and I'm just looking at it. Oh, Thrawn is the best part of this freaking show. The absolute best of this show. It makes me want to read the books. Yeah, I know they're not. Blah, blah, blah. Legacy, blah, blah, blah. EU, blah, blah, blah. But it makes me want to read the books because Thrawn is so cool. I mean, I already knew of Thrawn. I knew his whole gist, his shtick. You know, you look at him, you get it. But to see him and to see him in action, I love when Filoni or whoever's writing the episode has written the episode in such a way that it's just normal young adult rebels episode. But then they bring Thrawn in and the writer writing this plot has Thrawn outsmart the plot. They just wrote in a way that feels as though they, they're just teeing themselves up and it works really well. I just think it's fucking hilarious because it's like, oh, he figured out a plot that a 10 year old can figure out. How did he do that? How did Thrawn, how is Thrawn so smart? I mean, (laughs) it is badass and I do like the scenes. It's just funny when you think, oh, he figured out a plan for a show that's trying to sell action figures to kids. How did Thrawn, how is he so smart? How did he figure that out? He is a genius (laughs) tactical mastermind. And I just think that's funny. He's still the best part of the show. I really love Malcolm spoilers. My bad. I really love Maul coming back. That was cool. The voice acting is great. Him and Ahsoka teeing off were great. Uh, I, 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 I can't wait for Thrawn in Ahsoka. The guy, I mean, the voice work of the show is spectacular. The guy who voiced Finn Rao is amazing. He I think he voiced soap in Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare 2 and, and, and Modern Warfare 3. Yeah, I guess he he might have died in Modern Warfare 3, but he was in Modern Warfare 3. And he he's fantastic as Finn Rao. Every time he speaks, you're like, oh wait, hold on. Is there an actor on the is there an actor in the studio? What am I hearing? Is this audio better? No, nah, no, it's just his acting is phenomenal and he really sells it. So, like I said, two episodes left, but I think I'm pretty Pretty concrete, pretty solid on my opinions of the show. These last two episodes would have to be order 66 Clone Wars quality of episodes to make this, oh, turn around. I really love season four because I really don't like season four. It's very mids. I think it's slightly better than season one, but two episodes left. I, I will briefly mention it next week. I don't know what else there is to talk about as you know, the art and animation I talked about last week, I don't even need to talk about it enough because Hey, those animators and those artists work really hard or worked really hard and I don't need to be dogging on them constantly. So I've already made those opinions clear. Art sucks. <laughs> it just does. I'm sorry. It just does. And I think that's it. Oh, oh, wait, one last note. Season two, episode 18, just totally random episode is amazing because it starts at the end of an episode. Like they just finished an episode and that's when the plot starts. And that's, that's just such a genius idea. I'm probably going to steal that. It's such a good idea. So that's about it. I I think, I think that's it. Season four is droll because it, it kind of reverts everything back to a, Early season two since, and there has been one big event and it really wasn't that crazy. You know, the thing happened that I expected because a certain somebody isn't reprising their role in Ahsoka, so I just expected a certain somebody would be written out. Wink wink, you can get it, you can figure it out. But that's it. That is the only thing season four has done for me. That's the only thing I'm going to remember about season four come six months from now. I think that is all for the No Davis Watchcast. I'm your host, of course. This is my show. I will be here next week, every Tuesday, till I die—not till I die. It's probably I'm I'm gonna have to cap it off sometime. But every Tuesday until I cap it off, I'll see you next week, guys. I'm out of (laughs) here.